first on our agenda is vocal warm-up pre-roll <laughs> to play at the beginning of the podcast <laughs> to entice the <laughs> listeners to listen to the full episode. <laughs> you have entered the, the Twilight, Twilight Zone. Zone. <laughs> Or what, what was it that he always said in Tower of Terror that I loved? My hands don't scan. <laughs> my hands don't scan. That's why I need you to break my friends out. <laughs> I, okay. <laughs> you know, they say a mind is a terrible thing to waste. But what would happen if one man filled another's with the scariest films of all time? <laughs> Who are you talking to? <clears throat> no, nothing. Ready to watch some movies? Aw, oh, yeah. Yeah. You're now entering a world. A world beyond sight because it's a podcast. <laughs> a world only of sound. A world dominated by a bunch of white guys talking about horror movies. And here's two more. You're listening to Matt Makes Zach Watch Horror Movies. I'm Matt. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Zach. <laughs> I made him watch a horror movie. <laughs> Good job. Yes, yes. Yay. Applause. If you can't guess, what did we uh, watch this week, Zach? The Twilight Zone movie, not Tower of Terror. No. Like I thought Which we It's not <laughs> called the Twilight Zone movie. It's just called like Tower of Terror. It's the only Twilight Zone movie <laughs> I knew about. <laughs> so, Zach, what did you know, not just about the Twilight Zone movie, I guess, but like the Twilight Zone in general? Like, did you grow up watching it at all? No. Oh. Not at all. I. Literally only Tower of Terror. Oh no. <laughs> the movie and the ride. <laughs> See, I grew up a, a diehard Twilight Zone fan. Yeah. They would do a marathon every Thanksgiving and like Oh yeah. Everyone in my family would like sit around and watch it. Yeah, so. Twilight Zone has always been one of those things that I'm like, I think I would really like that. Oh, it's so good. It holds up incredibly well. Yeah. I was really afraid going back and watching it when like Netflix streaming first became a thing mm -hmm. and they had it because I was like, oh, what if it's all like bad? Because I was 10 and instead it was all like amazing. It's like a perfect TV show. So, yeah, yeah. It's always been something that I'm like, I feel like I'd really like that if I sat down and watched it, yeah. but I just never did. I, I think you, you, should. you should take the yeah. deep dive, man. It's really fun. <laughs> Lots of good morals to learn. <laughs> also, before we get into the episode... This is our first live episode. Oh, yes. We have an audience yeah. today. My cat, Sora, is sitting in my chair and she won't get up. So <laughs> she's now here. So please, everyone, welcome our special guest, yeah. Sora. She has strong opinions, but I, I think she'll fit in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she really doesn't like Cujo. So we had to avoid <laughs> doing Cujo months like we were planning on. So instead, we're doing Anthology Month. Yeah, yes. All right, so Zach, yeah. what'd you think of Twilight Zone the movie? I was confused for ninety percent of it. In a good way, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> did Did you like it? Yes. <laughs> it's okay if you didn't. I mean, <laughs> no, like I feel like it's the same as Silence of the Lambs last week, where I was like, I don't. Do I like it? I mean, it would. Everybody knows Exorcist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Exorcist. No, I thought you were pretty. Like, yeah, it sounds like it was like the Exorcist, where I was like, 
I mean, it was like good, but do I like it? I, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I would say I liked it. All right, I like okay. I like some of the sketch or sketches, but the some segments. of the segments more than others, definitely. Definitely, <laughs> as someone who really likes this movie a lot, there's uh definitely one that really stands out as the weak point in the film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, uh, the Twilight Zone. I thought it would be a great way to kick off Anthology Month because it wouldn't be Anthology without the Twilight Zone. Yeah, so. it's like the anthology thing. Yeah, I think it sets such a template for science fiction and horror going into like the modern age of storytelling that it would feel weird to like leave it off. So yeah, and it worked out that there's a movie of it, yes. so it could fit it in. I was so excited when I remembered that. I feel like this movie is kind of largely forgotten. <laughs> I mean, again, I didn't know it existed. But I really enjoy this movie. Yeah. So should we uh, dive in? Into our uh, summary? Yes. Yes. All right. So everyone, just a heads up. Spoilers. We're heading into the Cape Fear. <laughs> and since this is anthology month, we're going to go back and forth. Yes. I'm going to summarize the segment and then Matt's going to summarize the next. And I'm going to summarize the next. And hopefully we don't get too confused. <laughs> So uh, right, so I'm going to kick us off for once. Yeah. Like, we don't normally do it this way. I, I guess know. we'll have to do this for all of Anthology Month. Yeah. But, That'll be fun. All right. Let's set that timer. <sighs> all right. See how confusing this was for me. Okay. All right. So the movie opens and CCR is playing and it's pretty fun. And Dan Aykroyd and Nemo's dad are there. And it's pretty it's pretty great. They're real nice, nice guys. It's kind of implied that Dan Aykroyd is a hitchhiker and then he turns out to be a scary monster. Ah, segment one over. Oh, that was quick. <laughs> I didn't know that was Marlin. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. It's my turn. Uh, it's the Twilight Zone. Play the intro. It's the thing. It's the door. The eyeball. Everybody's favorite. Uh, <laughs> and then, whoa! It's it's a guy with a chip on his shoulder, and he's walking in a bar. The guy from the thing is there, but not the guy with the chip on his shoulder. Our main protagonist, who we end up not liking a couple seconds in, because uh oh, he's racist and starts spewing off every word in the book, and that took me for a whirl. And uh, <laughs> other people in the bar are like, hey man. And that's not cool and he's like whatever man and walked outside uh oh he's in world war ii germany and there's nazis and uh they're chasing after him and then they chase him onto a little rooftop and go bah, 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 and then he falls off and uh oh kkk uber racist <laughs> they uh they're like oh we're gonna hang you and it's not gonna be cool and then he runs away and uh oh now he's in vietnam and uh, a bunch of you guys shoot him up and uh, the whole thing's about racism, and he ends up uh, getting put on a train by Nazis at the end. That that one was fun. I don't know. <laughs> it's got a moral. Then the next one is called Kick the Can, and Steven Spielberg made it, and you can really tell that he didn't want to be there. And um, these old people are all, like, old and defeated in- inside and not very happy. And then one of them, played by the best guy, Scatman. Oh, great harmony. He shows up and he's like, oh, you can all just be like, we can live like we're still young. And they go outside and play kick the can. And then they also turn into kids except for him. And he's like, oh, it's because I stay young in my mind. And then they all realize they just need to stay young in their minds, except for one of them who wanted to be young. But for some reason, he was a teenager instead of a kid. The end. <laughs> and he flew away. 
Oh, I didn't write notes. Uh, <laughs> and then we got the Avengers Cartoon Boy, aka me. Somehow I ended up in Twilight. Hi, Sora. Uh, <laughs> oh, she's excited. She loves Cartoon Boy. Yeah, because. Cartoon voice her owner. Uh, we got lady. I forget her name, but she's a lady and uh-oh She ran over a kid with her car uh, Somehow it only broke his bike <laughs> and she's like, oh, I'll give you a ride home kid and she drives him home Uh-oh, his family's a little, a little weird. They're super excited that she's there and he takes her upstairs Oh, no his sister doesn't have a mouth. That's weird. This is definitely Twilight Zone. <laughs> and then uh, they're watching cartoons because Cartoon Boy is legit and he knows what's good. And uh-oh, they're eating peanut butter burgers. <laughs> That's upsetting. Uh-oh, he's, actu he's actually a uh, kaiju kid and can just make anything with his mind. Yeah, he's he likes cartoons and he, he controls reality with his mind and he's a little bad boy. Lady becomes his Jedi master and is like, I'll teach you the ways, even though she doesn't have the power, so that's <laughs> weird, but all right. And then they drive off into the sunset and everything's okay for cartoon boy. Yeah. The end. Ba -ba -ba. Ba -ba. And then on the last one, it's uh, Nightmare at 10,000 Feet, and John Lithgow's there, and he's the best, but he looks like he's gonna like throw up everywhere. And then inexplicably, he doesn't get like shot on the plane like he would now. <laughs> and uh, he sees a monster on the wing, and no one believes him, but there's a monster on the wing. And then when they finally land, and he's even carted away after trying to shoot it and almost crashing the plane, they realize that he was right. And then Dan Aykroyd is the driver, and he's still a scary monster man. Maybe it's implied. Oh, was Dan Aykroyd on the plane? Was no, he the monster? Or in the, the ambulance. Yeah, I know he's in that, but, but was he supposed to be oh, the no. monster? Oh, no. There's just multiple no, monsters. Monster. That one's a grim one. <laughs> oh, he did it. Da -da -da. Ba -ba -ba. Four minutes and 48 seconds. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah, not too bad. Yeah. Not too bad. We'll get better at this. Yeah, I mean, it's like we've got to sum up multiple stories within one movie. Yeah. Yeah. Bong. That's the sound of next segment. <laughs> All right, let's take our, our full dive into the movie. Mm -hmm. All right, so we open, and like I said, Creedence Clearwater Revival is playing. And it's two guys, aka me and Matt, talking about yep. Twilight Zone episodes. They invent the first podcast. Uh -huh. <laughs> this is the video of version boredom. of their yeah. podcast. But no, it's uh, Albert Brooks, who I love, like one of the most underrated character actors of all time. Who is apparently Nemo's dad. Yeah, he's Marlon, Marlon and he's the bad guy in Drive. He's a what? Yeah, that's the villain from Drive. The villain from Drive is Marlon, Nemo's dad. <laughs> Matt. And they didn't give him an Oscar for it, and that's why I'm still upset. Matt. <laughs> you can't just drop yes. that knowledge on me. <laughs> I'm too tired for this. <sighs> the bad guy from... You're welcome. Did you really not know that? I didn't know what Marlon... Mar uh, I mean, he sounds like Marlon in that movie, but bad. <laughs> uh, Drive is like my top three movie yeah, list. it's one of my favorite movies of all time. He's so good in it. And now I can't Ironically, watch it. in this movie, he's only known as the driver. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Matt, we just started. 
<laughs> Save this stuff for the end. But yeah, so Marlon and a the Ghostbuster, they're hanging out, uh-huh. driving around. Same and Dan Aykroyd. Talking about Twilight Zone episodes, yes. fourth wall. Yeah, and they definitely got them because, at least for Dan Aykroyd's part, uh, he had worked with the director of this in the first segment, who spearheaded this whole movie, John Landis, who was kind of at the top of his game at this point. He had made two giant hit comedies. He made Animal House and The Blues Brothers, which Dan Aykroyd yeah. is in. And he followed that up by taking a sharp left into horror with uh, American Werewolf in London. And then oh. this. Yeah. That's why that's why his name sounded familiar. Yes. I mean, everybody in this, you're going to be like, oh, yeah. Once you realize like what you know them from. Yeah. Uh, we should say each one of these segments is directed by a different director. Yes. Which um, isn't actually super common in anthology movies, weirdly. There's a handful that like come to mind like this VHS. I think there's a few more. But I mean, not horror, but uh, what's that one? Uh, Tarantino. Oh, Three Rooms. Yeah, that's the only one that I can think of that has different yeah. director for each I, one. Yeah, like, I think there's like, what is it? New York, I Love You, mm-hmm. and like Paris, I Love You, or both like that. They're not horror, but yeah. for the most part, like when I think it, like anthology movies tend to have like one director or like one writer kind of like really mm-hmm. driving them. But this one instead got four of the biggest directors at the time, which is really cool. Yeah. Makes it feel like a episode, like Twilight Zone episodes too. Yeah, yeah. I I love it. Yeah, I, I really like this movie. And he, uh, John Landis here playing to his strengths, just two funny dudes hanging out, which yeah. happens in most of his movies. <laughs> I really like that. Like it's clear they don't like know each other, mm-hmm. but they're getting along. I yeah. enjoy that. Yeah, and it, like you made it a joke. Like, what if this was just the whole movie? Yeah. I'd be on board. It's a pretty good movie. <laughs> Which we said during Exorcist too. Like, what if the scary stuff ne- just never yeah. happened? What if I lied to you? <laughs> <laughs> what if the entirety of society has lied to me and the Exorcist is just a nice family film? Yeah. <laughs> but they have a Ouija board. That's fun. <laughs> like that's the whole movie. It's just they're like dinner table. Like, yeah, it's fine. You're just describing my house now, Zach. <laughs> but yeah, and then, uh-oh. Uh, oh, but then uh, Marlon, uh, Albert Brooks, is like, oh, we want to see something scary? And he drives with the lights off, which is legitimately the scariest thing in the whole movie to me. Yeah. <laughs> the, the whole time I was like, oh, this is where this is, he's going to like run into someone. Yeah, Ryan Gosling's going to get his revenge. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> Could you imagine if he turned the lights back on and it's just like that the stunt guy mask? <laughs> just <laughs> Ryan Gosling with the mask and a hammer. <laughs> Terrifying. Yeah. The movie's great. Everybody go watch Drive yeah. after you listen to this. Please do. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh then they get back to just like chit chatting about the Twilight Zone. It gets raw, real meta, real fast. Mm-hmm. And that's when I'm sure you thought to yourself, this is definitely a Matt pick. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Matt's the only one who knows this movie exists? Yeah. (laughs) That's a Matt pick. That tracks. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I I really like the way this whole segment is shot in their relationship. And then it immediately gets a great little twist at the end. It's like a perfect, like, four-minute episode of The Twilight Zone. (laughs) I think you just want to see someone scary. You want to see wow. something really scary? Yeah. I love his delivery of that. Like, oh, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> and then he and kills him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was like, what? What? Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Like, I figured it was going to be like, he's going to 
take his face off or something. Right. I mean, he kind of, that's kind of the, the yeah. thing he does. I, I like the monster makeup a lot, even though it's only there for like two seconds. Yeah. I've always wondered, and I should pro- I could probably track it down, but I wonder if that was like actually Dan Aykroyd in the makeup. Because he seems like a kind of weird dude <laughs> who likes to have a good time. And I could see for him that being like, yeah, that's the one thing I haven't done. Yeah, put it on me. That'll be cool. Yeah. But I hope it is. We're kind of weird dudes that like to have fun. Yeah, if anyone would like to make me up like the monster from this movie, <laughs> I'm on board. <laughs> yes. Come uh, come doll us up so yeah, we come, can... Come find us at Midsummer Screen and uh, do my makeup. Make me look fabulous. Mm-hmm. For our audio-only world of a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Sora will enjoy it. Right, Sora? She's asleep. She gets it. She is currently <laughs> asleep. <laughs> But yeah, then da 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 da. Intro. We go into the intro. It's really weird for me to see it in color as like a big Twilight Zone fan. I'm like, no, it should be black and white. Was it in color? The intro, yeah. In my memory, I was just like, oh yeah, it's black and white. Just because that's what Twilight Zone is. Right, (laughs) yeah. Like, I have no problem with the segments being in color. Yeah. It's just the the opening credits. It's like so weird to me. Yeah. I like that they still use Rod Sterling's voice, at least for that part. That's kind of cool. Yeah, because there's someone else for her. Yeah, but uh, it's actually, it's Burgess Meredith, uh, the penguin himself. What? Uh, <laughs> Burgess Meredith, I believe, played the penguin on the Adam West show. Uh, I don't know why, but my brain went straight to Danny DeVito, and I was like, <laughs> man, no. Because he also played the penguin, Because <laughs> that's but. what I think when you say the penguin, like Danny DeVito or animated. <laughs> Well, yeah, he uh, he's the narrator for each of the mm. new segments, which is pretty fun that they still kept that yeah. from the show. Could you imagine if Danny DeVito was the narrator? I uh, know. Let me tell you, <laughs> this fucking guy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I want this now. I would love if Danny DeVito could narrate my life. It'd just be Danny DeVito yelling at you for doing things wrong. <laughs> no, he's very kind in real life. Zach, mm. I'd be on board with it. <laughs> It's <laughs> just Danny DeVito going, you're doing your best, man. Yeah. Now all I can think about everything Danny DeVito's done. <laughs> you gotta pay the trolls toll to get into this boy's soul. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, it plays the first segment. But then back in the Twilight Zone, mm-hmm. uh, Danny DeVito's not there. And we go into our first real segment of the movie, also directed by Landis. And the only one not based on an episode of The Twilight Zone. Nope, it was based on racism. <laughs> yeah, which is, happens a lot in The Twilight Zone. <laughs> yeah. this It very clearly draws on a couple of different episodes as, mm. as influence. As much as The Twilight Zone could also just be like a good time monster of the week thing, it mostly dealt with like morality plays. And I really appreciate that they really wanted to keep that in here. I think it's it's a decent segment. It's not my favorite one. Yeah. Not the worst one. Yeah. It's like a solid third place. (laughs) It was kind of just whacking you in the face with like the message of it. Like that's very Twilight Zone, though. But I feel like it could have been like the idea is really cool. But if it was just a little more subtle, it would have been like it's not even the subtlety. It's just so unfocused to me. Yeah, that's it should have just been him trapped in Nazi Germany. Yeah, that that's the easiest fix. Yeah, I think Vic Morrow, who plays the main character in the segment, Mm -hmm. I think he's great. 
Yeah. I mean, he's not great. I mean, the, his performance is very good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'd like to clarify. I don't agree with his character <laughs> on anything. No, his character is the worst. <laughs> yeah. And the entire time I was like, man, being an actor and having to say those things must suck. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I ever think about yeah. <laughs> with those things. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he gets trans. He says a bunch of racist, terrible stuff about mm-hmm. how he's better than because he's an american which is some nice coding we still hear people say today and he said uh, like every like word you shouldn't say uh-huh. in the book in front of all of the people you definitely shouldn't say it to mm-hmm. i was like oh this guy's gonna get punched in the face and i'm into it yeah. like <laughs> like the dude who leaned over and was like hey do you mind i was like he seems cool he should be the hero yeah <laughs> But uh, no, but uh, Vic Morrow gets sent back into the past as ironic punishment. Mm-hmm. First to Nazi Germany, where some Michael Fassbender looking motherfuckers uh, harass him. <laughs> Michael Fassbender is just an undercover German. You're right. You're right. He kills Nazis in at least two movies. Uh-huh. So. Oh, yeah. Magneto. Yeah. Yeah. Magneto Nazi Hunter. Best part of that movie. Why is that not a comic book? I think it is. <laughs> Good. <laughs> it should be. <laughs> Yeah. But uh yeah, like in you know, he, he gets treated, they think he's either a spy or Jewish. You kind of can piece together. I think the strongest thing about this is the, the choice not to subtitle uh any of the foreign languages in the segment. Mm. I think that does a really good job of like conveying the disorientation he's feeling. Yeah. Without making you have to like fully sympathize with him. Yeah. Because I think in in a good way, like the movie doesn't fully sympathize with him. Yeah. I I think, you know, the person who wrote and directed the segment john landis is jewish uh mm. steven spielberg is jewish like clearly they both uh had some input yeah. you know <laughs> in the like make sure he doesn't become too sympathetic department <laughs> yeah because that's a whole thing i was thinking that whole time too is like yeah i, I don't feel bad for him at yeah, all like, no uh yeah this coming yeah and then he goes to he's getting harassed by the clan and by some magic they think he's a, a black person Mm. And that's why they're gonna like kill him. Well, uh, same thing in the Vietnam one. Yeah, they yeah. But I I will say for the clan segment, I will never get tired of watching people burn the KKK. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just want that on a loop. <laughs> just got lit on fire. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> and then Adam Driver came out and he was like, "Gotcha." <laughs> And then he winds up in Vietnam for the part of the this segment that is the most hindered by something I will get into the making of later. The stuff that this movie is probably most known for, unfortunately. Well, the snake? No, but I did really wish that snake would eat him. <laughs> I said, just do it, snake. Be a good boy. You can do it. I believe in you. As long as the snake's okay <laughs> in this movie. Yeah. But then it, you know, he gets sent back to Nazi Germany somehow, which again is just like, why did it go back to the yeah. first one? Because the ending is one of the, the best images in the movie. Yeah, Him they, crying out to his friends from the train. Yeah, they should have ended with that and not started with it. Yeah. Because it's like, wait, what? Yeah, if you're going to hop through time, go that way. Yeah. But really, it should have just been he was trapped in Nazi Germany. Yeah. Fight, like, Nazis are, like, shorthand for, like, ah, bad and racist. <laughs> you know? Like, it's, it's a... It's a strong enough metaphor. (laughs) But yeah, yeah, I think that kind of, you know, metaphorical takes on like politics and race and things are very Twilight Zone, Mm -hmm. which is why I'm still laughing at every person that was like, wow, 
can't believe they hired Jordan Peele. Guess he's going to make the Twilight Zone political when they rebooted it last year. Like how it always has been. That's why it's still relevant. Right. <laughs> to the point where uh, Rod Serling's daughter had to like take to Twitter and be like, you're all stupid. <laughs> I signed off on this because he basically made a movie that was a really good Twilight Zone episode <laughs> with messaging and a strong political stance. Like... If you don't like it, that's fine, but don't pretend that wasn't ever the Twilight Zone. Yeah. Even I know that yeah. that's what Twilight Zone was. I haven't even seen it. People are ridiculous. But yeah, uh, we reach the end of that segment, and then we get to, from here on out, all of the segments are remakes of classic episodes. And we enter the Spielberg segment. <laughs> Spielberg, who we've talked about before. He's a again, top of his game right here. He and Landis produced the movie. Landis really spearheaded it. And I think, but I think getting Spielberg to make one of the segments is what gets this movie money. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, <laughs> but he's just like, I'm gonna make a Disney movie. Yeah. It's fine. And it's like the worst segment in the movie. It spends like 10 minutes of just this old folks home. And I'm like, what is happening? I See, don't understand. Yeah. I like it because I like all of the actors interacting in the segment. Mm. But it's clear that. I just didn't know what they were talking about the whole time. I'm like, yeah, what? There's no real like focus to yeah. it, which is weird for Spielberg, who can normally like hone in so hard on a concept like, and like really make it sing, you know? Yeah. Like all I got out of it was kicking a can. I don't know. The toughest thing about this segment is that um, Scatman Carruthers, who I love, uh, love that Scatman. Scatman. Yeah. Uh, he's the best. He's the best part of this segment, as he is in everything. <laughs> he... He is a magical black person. Is that a trope? Yeah, you know, you know, a black person shows up and either literally or figuratively is magic. And they do magic to motivate and help the black person, the white people, but not themselves. It's not a great trope. It pops yeah. up a lot, especially in horror, actually. Huh. Is that kind of like Song of the South? Yeah, he's definitely one of them. I think it was coined as like a term officially for uh, the legend of bagger vance wherein will smith literally just wanders out of nowhere and helps matt damon get good at golf and then just leaves okay and it's like oh does he have an inner life is he a character with hopes and dreams nope he's just there to do magic to help the white people oh god <laughs> It's not great. Yeah. I think this segment kind of gets away with it because, like I said, like Scatman is just so charming that yeah. I'm like, yeah, you do it, dude. <laughs> Whatever you want. I'm on board. Yeah. Scatman. <laughs> yeah. He's got the shining. That's why. Yeah. And then it also helps that the segment's like 10 minutes long. It's the shortest one in the movie. Was it? It felt like the longest. I think it might be the shortest one in the movie. I thought it. It felt it really, long at least. Yeah. I, it moves. You know, it is. What? It gets to its point and then it ends. Once it like gets to where they're outside and stuff, that's where it starts moving. But everything before that was just yeah. like, is anything happened yet? I think for um a number of reasons that again will become clear. Uh, Spielberg <laughs> didn't really want to like finish making it, and his heart just wasn't in it. He's kind of talked about that actually. Like, yeah, no, we just had to finish it. So I just did. So like he probably had it all shot, but like the editing feels kind of off. Like maybe no one was really saying like, oh, no, try a different take. Yeah. You know, let's get one more. Um, yeah. Maybe we speed this up. <laughs> yeah, because even like the messaging, too, I feel like was muddied because it went from like 
happy oh they're all kids to depressing realizing they don't want to live life again to happy because now they've come to terms with being old and then i like the message but i'm saying because it keeps going back and forth then it's like sad because that one dude can't be a kid even though he wants to go and then now there's just an old man the teenager who flew away now there's just an old man missing my biggest question (laughs) why was he a teenager (laughs) everyone else was like six why did he and he was like 15 why did he have to have a fake british accent well i think the the older actor actor actually is british the teenager clearly is not (laughs) yeah that's what i meant like the teenager like because the other actor was british and the the whole joke about like oh i wanted to be douglas fairbanks who was like Mm -hmm. a famous movie star in like the 40s who was who was british okay yeah because i was just like oh that sounds bad (laughs) yeah it's cute like if somebody showed me this independent of this movie i'd be like oh that was fine spielberg really yeah but in the context of this with the other three around it it is just like glaringly bad (laughs) like it's maybe the only like spielberg thing that i'm like there is almost no redeeming qualities to this as like a piece of like film yeah and it's like scatman cool yeah nice message scatman's cool but that that has nothing to do with spielberg yeah scatman's cool yeah like I, I would not be shocked to find out Scatman was like, yeah, I directed all my own scenes in that. It was great. Uh, Steven Spielberg just didn't show up. We yeah. had to make the movie somehow. Every time he is just like smiling and giving his little monologues, I'm like, ah, oh, this is so good. And then other things happen, and I'm like, why? <laughs> why did you have to go away from yeah. Scatman? Yeah, but yeah. So you know, my my note is just like very nice, but not good. <laughs> And I think that really sums it up. Like, it leaves you with, like, a nice, warm feeling. It has a John Williams-y score to it. Yeah. But it's not good. Yeah. It's, like, all of the worst parts of Hook in in 15 minutes. It did feel very Peter Pan the whole time. Well, I mean, there's that, that other thing that, like, I don't know if they each got to pick their own segment. It seems like perhaps they did, judging by the directors. But Spielberg's always had that weird Peter Pan fixation. Not weird, just... That is a story he obviously connects to. It's yeah. like someone who clearly like reveres like the stuff from their childhood so much. Yeah. But yeah, it's fine. Scatman onward. <laughs> Next <Yeah>. one. <laughs> now we come to, I believe, your favorite. <laughs> yeah. The segment about you. Yeah, the segment about me. <laughs> As a X-Man. What my power would be as an X-Man. Yeah. Uh this is kind of like for me the best version of adapting a twilight zone episode because it takes the core concept but does something so different with it most uh, original on uh, the other in the original one also called it's a good life which is the name of this segment the kid is much more sinister like in this you kind of feel bad for the kid like yeah. he just wants people to be happy yeah and in the other one it's very like i said you were happy so oh, be God. happy oh, God. Like that is that is the thing in that one. Jeez. It is much more about like absolute power corrupts absolutely. You know, mm-hmm. this segment directed by Joe Dante, one of the most under director underrated directors of all time. Director of Gremlins, Piranha, Gremlins Two. You might know him from Looney Tunes, Back in Action. <laughs> ah uh, yes, <laughs> cartoons. Yeah, <laughs> he like loves cartoons. Uh, he came up as a Corman guy, Corman who we Roger Corman who we talked about in our last episode. I love that in this segment it opens with um, Dick Miller as the uh, gentleman running the restaurant. 
mm. who was kind of one of Roger Corman's guys. He's in almost every Roger Corman movie, and he is literally in every Joe Dante movie. So I just love when these directors kind of like put together their like, I just like this dude. Like yeah. we were talking about with uh, Silence of the Lambs. It's got a bunch of people who Jonathan Demme just liked. Yeah. James Cameron uses like the same five people in every movie. Tar- I like that. Tarantino. Yeah. Scorsese. Like they'll just do put it. together your teams. Yeah. It's like, and I, I especially like finding the little background people who were typically like some of the best actors in the movies in that you almost don't notice them. Yeah. Like Dick Miller just feels like he belongs in this world. That's yeah. that's great. Yeah. <laughs> people being friends is fine. Yeah. Hey, you want a paycheck? Come on down. <laughs> but yeah, no, we meet the creepy little cartoon kid mm-hmm. and he takes a lady back to his house. It's a little uncomfortable. Because um, oh, I'm pretty sure he's hitting on the lady. <laughs> <laughs> Is that or he wanted a new mom? I don't know. Yeah, either way, weird choice. Yeah. But okay, kid. I um, mean, from what it seems like he just cycles through families. Yeah. This family doesn't serve me anymore. New one. I like that you can't tell if all of these people were a family he just decided to join mm-hmm. or if none of them knew each other before or yeah. what. It's just weird. Yeah. <laughs> or if they're even real to begin with. Yeah. Because he made them all vanish at the end. He says he sent them wherever they wanted to go. Dead? (laughs) (laughs) On the Twilight Zone episode, that is what is implied happens when he gets mad at you. He sends you into the cornfield and you just never come back. And this segment's pretty creepy. Yeah. (laughs) But, yeah. I love the design of everything in that house. I love that it just gets more and more, like, demented and cartoony as it goes on. So I love about like even like the monsters were like cartoony and made like yeah. wah, 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 noises and stuff. The special effects all look fake in a way that I buy is like the only reference point a child would have. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying too. Like, of course, like a kid trying to make monsters would be like cartoony. Like, yeah, that, that's, that's, I love it. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's me as a child. <laughs> what does he say? Like that you were taking a video of. Like, oh, yeah, cartoons are the best. You can do anything in cartoons. Why would you want anything else? This is a good cartoon. Nothing. <laughs> do you like anything else? Nothing else is good. Anything can happen in cartoons. Yeah. I'm wishing you into cartoon land. That's all, Ethel. And the kid is actually really good in the second. Yeah, he was. He played it perfectly because he could have came off like a little shit so easily. But he actually, like, I felt bad for him. Yeah, like, when he's just, I just don't want you all to be so afraid of me. Yeah. Like, that's all he wants. And that's how she gets through to him in the end is by being like, look, I'm not afraid of you. I will tell you what you need, and I will tell you what is right and what is wrong. Yeah. If you want that, we can hang out. Yeah. Like, I think that's what it is, Like even though she doesn't have the powers at the end when she's like, I can teach you. Mm. Like, I can tell you right from wrong, and I can tell you when you're wrong. I won't be afraid to. Yeah, because like I I love when they're all eating the food and they're all so afraid and just being like, oh, yes, no, the food is great. We don't criticize the food. The food is perfect. Mm It seems like they haven't eaten in a few days. Yeah. And then when she says like, well, this isn't particularly nutritious. Mm -hmm. He's like, none of you would have told me that. Yeah. Like, how am I supposed to know, guys? I'm 10. (laughs) (laughs) Man, this is my first thing. It's so good. I think it's also Joe Dante is that child. Uh He like loves cartoons. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, if you've seen any of his work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I really like this segment. I like that Anthony only eats hipster food because he has like peanut butter burgers. (laughs) 
That was all I could think was like, oh, I've been to a lot of hipster restaurants that serve that exact meal. And it's like $20. Yeah. And even his cartoons are, when he sends her into that cartoon and it gets really weird, I was just like, oh, it's like all of Adult Swim. <laughs> Anthony's just an ahead of his time hipster kid. <laughs> That's all it is. He's he just already, misunderstood. He's already wearing a flannel. Exactly. He just needs someone to listen to Band of Horses and Arcade Fire with him and he'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> that now that now he has that lady too. That, exactly. That's what they listen to on the road trip. Yeah, they're gonna throw on some new wave and it's mm-hmm. gonna be great. <laughs> yeah, I, I just always appreciate when something can like surprise you like i said like i knew twilight zone a lot from growing up my family loved it so the fact that this segment is so different after mm-hmm. like the halfway point is awesome yeah because in the other one he's just evil and in this i just love that like joe dante clearly has sympathy for this kid who loves cartoons yeah it's so nice yeah <laughs> yeah just everything you just said i'm like yeah uh, that was definitely my favorite one <laughs> and now we come do 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 to my favorite one Directed by George Miller of Mad Max and Happy Feet fame. Oh my god, that's that that's oh my god. I, Does that all make sense now? Like yeah. everything about this segment. All, all these names. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, that's yeah. I did know them. <laughs> they didn't just sound familiar. Oh yeah, I do know From them. The Oscar winning writer of Babe comes <laughs> Nightmare at Ten Thousand Feet. Yeah, George Miller. I love everything about the dude. Mad Max Fury Road is one of my favorite movies of the last decade. Yeah. All his movies are great. I love that every time he goes and makes some horrible, violent, like R-rated thing that's like awesome, like a Mad mm-hmm. Max movie. Then he's like, oh, yeah, but that whole time I was just thinking about penguins and how bad I wanted to make a penguin cartoon. <laughs> like this dude's great and I love him. Yeah. I just love George Miller. <laughs> I like, want to be his buddy. <laughs> Supposedly he's making a Furiosa movie now at like Ooh. 82 years old. I'm real excited. <laughs> Man, just all the old dudes of horror just like come yeah. hang out. We're big fans. Please. <laughs> we, hope to, we hope to be you when we grow up. Yes. Yeah. I love this segment. It's one of my favorite episodes of the Twilight Zone. There's it's, something there's on. Something on the wing. <laughs> Gotta get that Shatner, man. That's why I was like, wait, isn't this a, Sh- a Shatner episode? Who's this guy? Uh, that's John Lithgow, sir. One of the greatest character actors of all time. Like like what? He's Lord Farquaad. What? He's the voice of Lord Farquaad. He was the Trinity Killer on Dexter. He was the the lead character on Third Rock from the Sun. We're like a year out from his greatest achievement, which was playing John uh, Big Boutet in um, uh, Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension. Uh, Those are all words. Movies. Yeah, it's a weird movie and I love it. Uh, <laughs> But uh, in this, he's just a very, very nervous man. Yeah, and he sold it. Yeah, I, they paint him so pale in this. He looks like he's in a Tim Burton movie. <laughs> he's popping back pills because he's just not having a good time no, on this flight. No, no, no. I cannot blame him. And I'm just like, man, whenever I have to fly somewhere... Where are those flight attendants? They were like they were real so nice. nice. That does not happen now. Yeah. Like I said in our summary, he would be arrested and they would land that fucking plane the second yeah. he took more than two minutes in that bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> Where's the nice flight attendants at? Yep. I, I just love this segment. Like, I don't even know where to start with it. Yeah. I love that he's like a computer nerd. 
who writes books yeah about computers yeah and i think that's supposed to be like oh well that's why we can trust this guy and we need to be like nicer to him he's like, a nerdy guy yeah that's why i think everyone doesn't immediately like flip out when uh. he's like i think i see something they all kind of believe him because like i don't know he's a scientist yeah he's smart it's I, it's a nice little shorthand yeah i take it more as like oh yeah he's like super nervous and anxious and like nerd so nerdy yeah. stereotype would fit along that so they're like okay yeah you're just it's you're just nervous <laughs> yeah yeah the flight attendants are so nice to mm-hmm. him and he just can't stop freaking out mm-hmm. and, and there's that weird little girl yeah and then there's something on the wing uh, i love the design of that creature which is very different from the show yeah show had a much lower budget just a, like a man in a fursuit uh on here it looks like a cross between like an alien and the crypt creep crypt keeper like it's great yeah you said man in a fursuit i just imagine like a furry on the wing of the plane pretty much dude <laughs> that's scarier than what we saw this is what it looks like. It's just a dude in a furry suit. <laughs> it's like he's in a ghillie suit. Yeah, I I think it's that probably fits more with um the uh, idea of gremlins mm. from back then. Ironic also that Joe Dante did not direct the segment about a gremlin. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, I love the creature design on it in both, but mm. especially in this one. <laughs> it's so weird. Yeah. It's just human enough, which I love. Mm-hmm. It looked very similar to the Dan Aykroyd yeah, face. You're not wrong. <laughs> which also looks similar to Beetlejuice, the couple, when they like get all twisted up to look like scary ghosts. Oh yeah, a little bit. Same yeah. time period, you know. Yeah. A lot of it, like a lot of the design stuff, I was like, Oh, that looks kinda of Tim Burton y. Like especially the house in the Cartoon oh, Boy yeah. episode. Well, I think that has to do with Joe Dante and Tim Burton both like being obsessed with animation. Yeah. I think Joe Dante like also wanted to become an animator growing up. So you're saying it's my destiny as well? <laughs> you will be a horror boy, Zach. But yeah, I love that John Lithgow just loses it. Mm. Every time he loses it, I love it. Yeah. He's so good. I like when they see each other face to face. And this is a thing George Miller did in the first Mad Max also when John Lithgow's eyes bulge out of his head, the like animatronic John Lithgow. Mm. And he's like, ah, and the eyes literally come out. <laughs> it's great. And it's only in there for like two frames. It's great. I think at that part, I accidentally fell asleep. You did. I did have to wake you up and make you rewind it. <laughs> I'm very tired. And like yeah. by the time it got to this one, I was, I was struggling. You were missing out is what you were doing. I was. I, I didn't want to fall asleep. I wasn't bored. I was yeah. just real tired. Sometimes it's hard. <laughs> now Jaws, on the other hand, that was a little bit of balls. <laughs> Fair. Also, at one point, the heavy set gentleman in front of him hmm. who it turns out is like the airline marshal at one point when john lithgow has one of his freakouts, he runs over and grabs the little girl and is like you should stay with me <laughs> and i uh, think it's supposed to be like then when we find out like he's an air marshal like oh he was concerned for her but hmm. i was just like is he gonna kidnap that child because her mom's like asleep and he's like no come with me <laughs> <laughs> sir <laughs> what's up with that little girl she's just weird i like that the whole plane is just populated with like very distinct characters yeah 
that's a thing that George Miller is good at. Like mm-hmm. when you look at like the the Mad Max movies yeah. or even like the Babe movies. <laughs> like every person in a Babe movie stands out. Yeah. Like even if they just walk by. Like when they're going through the plane at one point they just pass like two punks with like their mohawks yeah. out <laughs> that look like they came from the Mad Max set. It's great. Yeah. Oh, something I didn't mention earlier, both Joe Dante and George Miller were only like two movies in at this point, and they got like handpicked by Spielberg and Landis oh, to fun. direct their segments. They were both just like, we love your guys' movies. Spielberg had picked Joe Dante to make Gremlins, so he like really wanted him there. Joe Dante and John Landis, still buddies. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Friends. Yeah. And they were wound up making the two better segments, which is kind of awesome. Yeah. That I'm sure like everyone going to see this was like, yeah, Landis, yeah, Spielberg, two of the biggest directors right now. And two other guys I've never heard of. And I assume everyone came out like, wow, those other two were way better at this. (laughs) Oh, they weren't here for just a paycheck. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, and then he's uh, proven right when they finally land the plane and they see that someone had torn up a big hole in the wing. Mm -hmm. He's trying to take out the other engine. And in the ambulance. Yeah. He starts playing the Credence and he's like, hey, I heard you saw something scary. You want to see something really scary? I love him. Like, is he going to crash that ambulance and kill him? Like, what is his plan? He has a uniform. He clearly works there. Or he maybe it's like connected. The guy driving from the first one was an ambulance driver. That's where he was driving to was his ambulance. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or the hospital where they keep the ambulance yeah. <laughs> he had his uniform in the back and, ah. it's a nice little ending i do always kind of conflate the ending of this with an ending of a simpsons treehouse of horror where they parody it because i always expect at the end of this movie like at the end of that episode for the gremlin to come back for one last scare and it doesn't mm. I'm always a little sad. <laughs> yeah, because it just ends on Danny Aykroyd. Yeah, which is like a perfect ending, mm. but because I'm so used to that cartoon. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, ah, oh, come on, come back with Flanders' head. It'll be great. I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of how much cartoons are getting brought up on this episode. I'm an animation nerd too, my man. Yeah. <laughs> but just like all the involvement, especially with this movie and everything. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. And that's the movie. Yeah, it's real good. Da, 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 da. I really, did, did perhaps talking about it help you understand it more? Maybe make you like it more? Or? It made me like the, my favorite one more. All right. I was just like, oh, yeah. I, <laughs> I guess I did like that one a lot. Yeah, this movie, let's talk about reviews. It had a mixed reception and continues to to this day. I think most people land where you and I land, which is like, if you're going to rate each one individually, it would be like two stars, one star, five star, five star. Yeah. Like, and I assume a lot of people probably took away like I haven't seen Twilight Zone, but people probably are like, I was like an OK episode of the Twilight Zone for like each one. Like yeah. I imagine like the show itself being way better. I think the two segments we really liked hold up mm-hmm. as well as the show does. I think the other two do not <laughs> for a lot of reasons. We're going to get into the the making of and the legacy of this film. Uh, which I know nothing about, so I don't know what's about um, to happen. I'm going to say a couple of things at the top here. Uh-huh. It's a bummer. I don't believe in cursed films. Saying this film is cursed or treating it like a fun fact is gross and people shouldn't do it. Yes. 
but it is also the enduring legacy of this film, unlike Poltergeist, where I'm like, well, that's not part of the legacy of the film. Those were unrelated. This is directly related to the making of this movie. For the first segment that John Landis directed, it was supposed to be longer. But unfortunately, due to a number of things that a number of negligences that perhaps John Landis or stunt coordinators or anyone who was there on the set mm-hmm. could, except for the people who it happened to, it's really hard yeah. to like dance around in a good way. John Landis accidentally killed Vic Morrow and two children. I mean, John, not Jan Landis directly, but yeah. a stunt went wrong and a helicopter that was there crashed and killed Vic Morrow and two child actors who were supposed to be in the segment. Dang. And even Landis admits he should have been clearer about like where he wanted the helicopter and where he wanted the explosions. Mm. But that's like accidental. What is not accidental and that he actually, to his credit, took full responsibility for was they were filming late at night and the kids were paid under the table because even to this day, child actors cannot work after a certain time. Yeah. So he took full responsibility for like, I talked people into letting those kids stay later if I hadn't, you know. Like accidents aren't anyone's fault, but that is he was just like, that is my fault. Yeah, it kind of ruined his career. Mm. Like I said, like he's on top of the world at this point. Him and Spielberg wanting to make this movie gets this movie made. He's just shy of Spielberg level. Yeah. In terms of popularity, he's part of that like new wave of directors. It's a real bummer. Yeah. And I think it directly influences things like the fact that Spielberg ended his working relationship and friendship with John Landis over this. Yeah. Um, and said, like, I don't think like John's like a bad person or anything, but I can't work with him if he's going to cut corners like that. Yeah. Which is why I think like Spielberg's segment suffers because he clearly didn't want to finish this movie. Yeah. People on the crew had their names removed from the credits. They were like, I don't want credit for this movie. Yeah. All right, it's far from the biggest tragedy in this movie, obviously, but it is a bummer that like it kind of so heavily hampers Landis's career because he's such a good director. And he has trouble from this point on getting anything made, yeah. which I can't blame people for. But wait, this isn't the biggest tragedy of the movie. No, I meant John Landis's career isn't the oh. biggest tragedy of the movie. I was about um, to say, what else happened? No. Well, no. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like it's a bummer that's tied. It, it's the film's legacy. If people have heard of this movie, that's typically yeah. what they've heard about in a way that isn't like poltergeist where it's like that's so fully unrelated this is like no it's directly responsible for the direction this movie takes yeah like the segment john landis's segment was supposed to be longer it was supposed to have more it was supposed to redeem vic morrow to some degree yeah it would still end with him on the train getting pulled away from his friends but we would see that he perhaps was starting to learn a lesson from all this yeah and it's just a bummer yeah sorry to bring it all down (laughs) but um yeah (laughs) yeah that's uh that's something that still carries over today, I think, wasn't there one like a couple years ago, like on a train, a track or something. I mean, st- stuff like this still happens all the time. All yeah. it takes is one stunt going wrong because, I mean, much like this, like he didn't communicate clearly to the guy flying the helicopter how high up he needed to be. Yeah. That's all it takes yeah. is you say 25 feet and the helicopter pilot hears 20. Yeah. You know? Yeah, don't if you're making a movie, don't try yeah. to safety should be number one priority for everybody on set. I think Spielberg said something along the lines of I hope that the thing we all take from this is that no matter who you are on set, no matter how low, if you see something like this happening, you need to yell cut. Yeah. And I agree with Steve. Yeah. So Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
So that's the Twilight Zone. <laughs> this movie being successful, though, leads to all the revivals that we still have today of this show. Proved that it was still like a financially viable property. Uh, the movie made money, despite all of the bad press around it. Even if it's mixed regards, it's mostly well regarded. At the point of this movie coming out, what, like, what was the Twilight Zone show like at? Like, uh, It had ended a number of years before. I'm trying to think, like, Twilight Zone was, like, mid-60s. This is 83, so mm-hmm. we're talking, like, a 20-year gap almost from when it started to when this movie comes out. Probably at least a 10-year gap between it being on the air. And was and, it, like, people still watched it? or? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a beloved property, but I think people were afraid, like, it wouldn't make money. And this movie made money, so they brought the show back in the 80s uh, without Rod Sterling. They told mostly original stories, which is pretty cool. Um, and then that ends. And then it comes back again in, like, the mid early to mid-2000s, um, and it's pretty bad. The one cool thing is Forrest, Forrest Whitaker becomes the Rod Sterling, so they actually have a host again. That's cool. Because the 80s one did not have a host. It's the one mm, thing that's missing. Yeah. And then uh, just last year in 2019, Jordan Peele brought it back as the producer. I haven't seen that one either. I haven't either. I heard pretty good things. Like I heard it's a little hit or miss, but. Yeah, I heard a lot about it when it was coming yeah. like coming out, but then every, like everybody stopped talking about it. I mean, that's the dangerous thing with streaming, especially since it. CBS. Yeah, it's like the CBS app, Yeah, you know? Which outside of Star Trek hasn't really like had an original hit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like Star Trek and Twilight Zone. People yeah. like that no matter what. So it's not like. Right. You can't. Re- I mean, that's the smartest thing they did was yeah. those two things. But yeah. yeah, I hear good things. I, I'm still curious to check it out, but I don't have a CBS app. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, R.I.P. Tower of Terror. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It is followed, of course, by the Tower of Terror for the Disney Channel. Yeah. The movie that I thought we were going to watch. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) I love that movie. I'm trying to make us watch good movies. No, I love that movie too. I love that movie. (laughs) It's very fun. I love Tower Terror. (laughs) I like the ride better. You know, it's the one where Rod Sterling's hands won't scan, right? Welcome to a world. A world where my hands won't scan, Terrence. And so, I'm going to need you to put your hands up, people. It's for all the people that are in the Gardens of the Galaxy ride. <laughs> for all you SoCal folks that go to Disneyland, that's yep. <laughs> you listen to our podcast. That's for you because <laughs> we go to Disneyland way too much. Yes, we do. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, yeah. That's uh, the Twilight Zone. Twilight any, Zone. any closing thoughts? Animation is cool. Real happy we got to talk about animation. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, cartoon boy. Yeah, favorite Cartoon part. Boy is the real hero of this movie. One of these days I want to watch Twilight Zone. We'll have a marathon. Yeah. I'm on it. Um, <laughs> I'll watch Twilight Zone before I'll see James Bond, so. Uh, uh, that's what you think. Anyway. If you're making a film, safety is number one priority. Don't cut corners. That's the thing you should really take away from this. Yeah. Don't cut corners in anything. Yes. So, welcome to Anthology Month. Yeah. Anthology movies, if you don't know what that means, it's like segments. So it's like a little mini show. Movies made up of uh, distinct uh, chapters almost. Yeah. Short stories. Yeah. (laughs) So what are we watching next week, man? Next week, we're watching Trick or Treat. Not Trick or Treat, which is a very different movie. (laughs) There's a movie called Actual Trick or Treat. Yes, I believe it stars Gene Simmons from Kiss. (laughs) 
Okay. Yeah, we're not watching that one. We're watching Mike Doherty's Trick or Treat. Trick or Treat. <laughs> because Trick or Treat. Like Toys R Us. <laughs> R.I.P. But yeah, uh, Trick or Treat. Trick Real or good treat. movie. Looking forward to it. And we're going to have a special guest. <gasps> you might know her as Megan. Or no. <laughs> That's how I know her. <laughs> you might know her as Zombie Teddy. And I know her as my wife <laughs> megan's gonna be on so yay if you listen to our little podcast she's gonna be on for that one because she loves that that little uh pumpkin boy she does she has good taste mm-hmm. so uh we'll watch that next week join hey. us then so zach where can everybody find you on the interwebs oh actually sorry what'd you oh. what'd you think did you need anything to promote she said that uh she would like to promote that she's accepting uh donations <laughs> Of salmon and tuna. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and she's asleep with her legs stretched on her. <laughs> Anyways, you can find me at Zach Shirk on Instagram where you can see my cat Sora on my Instagram stories hey, sometimes. She's really cute. Yeah, she is. I mean, she's trying to kill me, but she's really yeah. cute. <laughs> <laughs> and ZachShirk.com and at Zach underscore Shirk on Twitter. I don't know. Follow me and I might use it. <laughs> I'm really funny <laughs> that. Uh, you can find me on just about everything as I draw paintings. You can also find me on my Facebook artist page, Matt Mears. And you can listen to Matt Make Zach Watch Horror Movies on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and our speed art version on YouTube. Yeah, it's real fun. Yeah. And this podcast is brought to you by Supermoon. You can follow us on Twitter at Hey Supermoon. Matt runs that. Go say hi. You do. Send me horror memes. And yeah, he talks about how. Uh, Hot Quint was from uh, Jaws. <laughs> I stand by it. <laughs> and uh, at Supermoon Studio on Instagram, where I post all of our drawings and stuff. So send me Patrick Wilson memes there. Please, I need more of them in my life also. There he you shows are. them to me. They're delightful. <laughs> Tim, send us more. Uh, <laughs> uh, and at Supermoon Live on Twitch, where we'll stream art sometimes and some spooky video games. Yay, very fun. And Supermoon on YouTube, where you can find those speed art versions, and SupermoonSociety.com, where you can find links to all that stuff. Yeah. So, thanks for watching. Join us next week for Trick or Treat. And on that note, want to see something real scary? Ah. Sora? (laughs) Bye. Bye.